I'm your host, Ben Brett. And I'm Cara Brett. And if you haven't listened to this podcast before, this is the podcast that helps professional families who are navigating all of life's big financial transitions. So if that sounds like you, be sure to subscribe and give us a five-star rating to help the podcast grow. Uh, If you want more information more often, then check out our Instagram at Bounce Financial, where we share lots of tips and tricks uh, about how to, I guess, plan your best life. True. And yes. best life includes coffee, which I just took a big swig of. So very good. <laughs> I don't think you expected that I was going to ask you a no, question. No, I that didn't. So carry on. <laughs> uh, okay. So before we get into it, I do want to highlight, and I do this in every podcast, that this information provided is general in nature and it doesn't take into account your personal circumstances. You should consider the relevance of this and you should seek advice before acting. And surprise, surprise, I bring this up every time. We are financial advisors. We are. So. If you are interested in perhaps implementing some of the things we talked about or talking further, please feel free to reach out. We're always looking for great people to work with. Um, You can check us out on our website, bouncefinancial.com.au, or obviously have a look at our Instagram at bouncefinancial. Do you know what we're talking about today, Cara? I do. It is something that I talk about with clients and new people nearly every single week. Yes. Property, the shares. And all of the fun investing things included in that, but probably a topic of conversation that comes up a lot for me, and I suspect you as well. I feel like this is a bit of a, like, everyone's got their favourite sporting team, you Mm -hmm. know, property or shares, and everyone wants to passionately argue why why their team is the best. Mm -hmm. Yes. (laughs) And I guess what we want to do today is we want to break break it down, remove, you know, that that passion behind it, and just talk about the pros and cons of both and, and how they can suit different circumstances. Yep, exactly. Yeah. Awesome. Okay, so what we're going to do, I think the, the best way to go about this is we're just going to talk through some of the conversations, I guess, we have with our clients and some of the questions we get around property or shares. Mm-hmm. Um, the common scenario for me is a client, you know, might be in a position where they've bought their first home, they've got a bit of an emergency fund, and they're kind of saying, okay, we're, we're feeling pretty good. We're feeling pretty confident money-wise. We want to start investing. Um, should we invest in property or shares? And this is where we sort of start that conversation. Exactly. So I think maybe the first thing we want to talk about is uh, returns. Which one Which one has better returns, Cara, property or shares? Well, I can definitively tell you <laughs> that it is. No, there is no such thing. Um, I guess this is where a lot of people start because their thought about investing is, right, I'm going to start investing, so I obviously want to make the most amount of money. Logical. Checks out, right? Yes. So if of property and shares, which one makes the most? And I think that we probably know enough to know that there is no such thing and there is no such one that makes the most. Yes. Um, You can get really excellent investment properties. You can also get absolute duds that go backwards. It does happen. We have seen it. Yes. Similarly with shares, um, you can get, you know, absolute unicorns that go through the roof and you can get shares that go backwards. Yes. Um, And so when we think about an average over kind of that long-term period looking backwards, most of the time, shares and property, if you pick the right ones, are pretty much on the same level playing field, aren't they? Yeah. I I think when we're looking at the future, it can be tempting to try to pick a winner. And we don't know. 
we don't know which one's going to do the best. You may buy a property in an area where it suddenly booms, or you may buy a property in an area where there's suddenly just like a bit more uh, crime that happens in the area. And so it just goes down in value for just by the fact that a few people have moved in, which are perpetuating crimes. Like mm-hmm. we really are dealing with a lot of unknowns here. So I guess what we try to do is think about what are the controllables? What are the things we can do? But I think on average, I've seen pretty similar returns from property or shares. I don't really think one stands out as consistently a winner. No. Um, and I think that's going to continue to be the case. Agreed. And like when you're, when you're talking about it from that, both can be good options, right? Yes. In terms of the investment returns. Yeah. Which kind of brings me to the next thing that a lot of clients will say to me is, I want to invest in property because I understand property. Mm-hmm. I'm comfortable with it. I can look at it. I can see it. I feel like it's less risky. Talk to me about your thoughts on that. Um, well, I've got a lot of different thoughts on that. Uh, it is true. A lot of people, when they consider investing for the first time, investment property makes sense to them because they can see it. They understand that someone moves into a property, they rent it, they get the money from it. It kind of makes sense. Yeah. Um, they also believe that that can't be taken away from them, right? So the concept that that seems to be the lower risk. Yeah. On the flip side, you can't touch and feel your shares in a company. Mm. Um, the company is doing what it does. You receive dividends, you receive growth in the shares but until you physically sell down those shares you're not receiving anything and so for for a lot of people that feels like a higher risk Mm. because they physically can't see the thing that they have invested in right I think it's more of a perception than anything else yeah I think you know there's a general rule which I would agree with is that you shouldn't invest in things you don't understand I Mm. get that 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 actually makes a lot of sense but the second part of that rule is it doesn't say you can't go out and learn about other things Um, You don't want to just use your existing knowledge and make investment decisions around it. What you want to do is try to educate yourself as best you can on everything and then make an informed call about what you're looking at. Mm -hmm. Um, But I actually, I have some thoughts on which one is riskier than the other. Yes. Yes. So, okay. So uh, risk, and I've, I've spoken about this before, risk in a financial sense. When people talk about risk, they think of the idea of risk of losing it all. That's mm-hmm. that, that to people is risk. It's something to be avoided, right? In the financial world, there is risk that you may go backwards in value, that that's what's going to happen, right? Um, and that's something that exists with every investment. There is always risk. And yes. so what we want to do is we just want to understand and manage it. Now, in the share world we have ways to manage risk Mm -hmm. what we do is we diversify so instead of going out and buying one company like Telstra or something like that, we go and diversify our shares. We have various shares across many industries, across many countries. And the reason we do that is that if one investment um, performs poorly or mm-hmm. if Telstra tomorrow closes its doors and goes to zero, um, then you've you've put you know all your sh- all your money across many different shares. So it's not actually going to hurt you as much, right? Yep. Um, in the property game, it can be a little challenging to diversify. And the reason being is it's so costly to buy a property that you really only get the chance to buy one, mm-hmm. maybe two. <laughs> yeah, but but specifically, you're usually going to start with one and it's going to take you a while before you get more than that. Exactly. And so the you need to get that one right. If you get that one wrong... Um, it can go backwards and you don't have other properties to sort of pick up the slack mm-hmm. sort of thing. So arguably buying a property could, I guess, be more risky in my mind than buying diversified 
in investment portfolio. That being said, again, risk isn't something to be avoided. It's mm. something to be understood and managed. That's yep. what we're trying to do, right? So yes, it adds some risk, but it just means we need to kind of take steps to make sure we're, we're monitoring our investment. We're thinking about how it's performing. If it's going backwards in value, we're taking action. So it's, it's not a bad thing, but I just don't really buy into that um, assumption that property is less riskier than shares. No. I think you, you you just have different types of risks. Well, I guess in relation to this, what we're talking about is putting all your eggs in one basket mm-hmm. versus being able to spread it, spread your eggs to several baskets. <laughs> yep. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> Great analogy. Love it. Which, which is good. Probably the other thing that I'm sure we'll touch on as well is that you know, like you're going to have to borrow to invest, mm. which increases the level of risk to some degree as well. And I know we are talking about that later, but borrowing to invest, whether it's in shares or property, increases the risk level. Yes. Using someone else's money. Yeah, using someone else's money. And and the risk there is that regardless of how well your your investment portfolio or your investment property performs, you still owe that mortgage. Correct. You've just got to pay the money back. Yeah. And we've seen cases where people have borrowed money to invest, the investments performed poorly, and then they've spent the next couple of years still paying back that debt and getting no return for Correct. it. So, um, I, like, I know that this does sound a little bit daunting, um, and it is, you know, these are big decisions to be made, but they're not, um, you know, we, we have strategies to deal with them and, and they're really, you know, a great way of building your wealth. So it's definitely something we need to explore. Um, okay, cool. All right, so we sort of touched on returns. You know, the, there's not necessarily a winner there. We sort of touched on risk. They both have risks. Um, I guess what I wanted to talk about is, I guess, why we think you should pick one over the other. Mm-hmm. And that really comes down to your personal goals. Correct. Talk to me about that. A lot of people just believe there is an answer, which is what's the best investment and I'll do that. Yes. But, you know, if you've listened to us before, you know that there is no such thing and that everyone's life is completely different. We want the investment to actually match the goals that you're looking for. Yep. Um, and everyone has completely different goals, right? Um, and so... That might be a combination of several investments. It might be one investment over the other. Yes. But we need to understand what it is you're trying to achieve before you can even put the investment into it. Often people say, I want to invest in this. And I'm like, well, that doesn't match what you're trying to achieve. And I think it might be worth sort of expanding on what we mean by goals, right? Because mm. most people would listen to this and go, my goal is pretty simple. I want to make, make money. money. Yes. Yep. Um, but we kind of go that next step and go, okay, well, the reason you make money is because eventually you want to spend money. Mm-hmm. This money that you make off this investment is going to one day be spent. And if it's not spent one day, what a waste. <laughs> yeah. Um, you know, it might be the case that you hang on to it and you gift it to your children. That's still spending. Mm-hmm. Um, but one day you're going to want to take advantage of this this hard work you're putting in and that's your goal that's how you how you intend to spend the money and that's when we start thinking about different investments for different goals the perfect example that i use all the time because it's so relevant to most of our clients but it's more easily understandable is that a lot of our clients want to send their kids to private school 
you know, usually from let's just say grade five or grade seven onwards. And yep. so their kid might just be a baby um, and we're thinking of a few years in the future, but not that far in the future. Yep. And often they might say, hey, I'm going to buy an investment property so that I can fund my children's education once they're 10 years old. Yes. Um, here's the problem with that. <laughs> you cannot sell a bedroom when you need access to the money. Okay. And if you've bought an investment property and let's just even say that it's seven years from now, your children start school. Yeah. You're not going to be drawing any income from that. It's not going to help you do anything. You'd have to sell the whole bedroom mm. just to fund the whole bedroom. <laughs> well, if I could, I would. <laughs> you have to sell the whole house just to fund the, the first year of education for your child, which is a silly thing to do, right? Yeah, yeah. You know, in most instances, your rent is simply covering your expenses. Mm -hmm. So the only value in the house is the it going capital up in growth. value, the capital yeah. growth. And you, you have to sell the whole thing. And let's say you sell the thing in year seven and you pay the first year school fees. What do you do for the rest of the, the five or six years? How do you invest the money? Do you buy another investment property? That's mm. the, it, it sort of falls apart, right? Um, and that's a perfect example. Whereas, you know, there are examples where an investment property suits really well, where perhaps you're saying, well, I have a bit of excess cash flow. I'm looking to invest with an idea of really long term. You know, I want to hang on to this for 20 or 30 years. Maybe it'll grow. Then I'll sell it and perhaps put the money into my super or do something like that. Like there are things we can do with it, um, but it's just really understanding what that purpose of that money is. Mm. What, what, are you, what are you doing with it? Yeah. Um, awesome. A couple of things I like to note about this. Um, property um, really suits long term goals. Um, it allows you to borrow to invest. So you can borrow to buy shares, you can borrow to buy uh, an investment property. Borrowing to buy an investment property is, is a more common path. So it's actually a little bit easier with the banks. You tend to get better rates. Um, you know, it, it's, it's a good way of kind of increasing your wealth. Um, on the flip side, shares, I like them because you can start smaller. Mm -hmm. You don't have to commit to a million dollar investment property. Um, and I also like shares for goals such as early retirement. Um, you know, superannuation, the way it's set up is um, an investment portfolio. That's essentially all it is. And the reason it's set up that way is because every year you want to be selling off portions of it to live on, a bit like the private school thing. Um, and so shares can actually be a really good strategy for early retirement because they work in a very similar way. Whereas investment property, unless you've paid it off, that rent is not really covering mm -hmm. your lifestyle costs. So. Um, that's just some points I have there. Yeah. And I think, I think the overall thing that we always drill down in is great thinking about investments, but take it one step back first and think about what you're trying to paint for your life for the next sort of 10, 20 years. Yep. Yeah, for sure. Okay, All right, well, what we might do is we might talk about property and some of the conversations, I guess, that come up around. We'll talk about shares, some of the conversations that come up, um, and then we'll, I guess, summarise and sort of, you know, mm -hmm. outline some thoughts on it. So um, do you want to talk about property and some of the, I guess, the conversations you have or little thoughts you have that can be helpful in this com in this decision-making process. It's funny because often property comes up and I think sometimes we come across as negative to property. Hmm. Um, and we're not. We're simply not. It's just that everyone is so pro-property. <laughs> we're just trying to balance we you out. Try and, <laughs> we try and highlight that, hey, property can be amazing. And we've seen it go amazing. We've, we've used it personally and it's been amazing. 
But there are some negatives and you can't just assume that it's always going to be fine. And that's the part that I think we try and come across and say, hey, just so you know, there are risks here and you need to manage them. And there's all these things that need to come into it. So we are very much a pro property people. It's just it needs to suit and be the right thing. (laughs) Um, So probably some of the points on property. Most people understand the concept. Okay, cool. You buy an investment property, you rent it out. Um, you borrow money to do so. Yep. Um, you touched on it before, um, but I'll probably highlight this is a lot of people assume that buying a rental property is going to supplement their income, mm. right? Um, and that is simply not usually the case for the first 20 or 30 years. You know why? Because the rent is basically just covering the mortgage repayments on mm. it, okay? And that's okay, that's fine. But until that mortgage against the investment property is paid off, most people are not going to be getting extra income into their life. So it is that long-term, like we've talked about, that long-term investment play there. Yes. Um, So the only way you can actually get money out of it would be to sell it if the value has gone up. Yes. Um, And so I think some people think, yeah, we can generate income, but you just cannot in the short term. It actually kind of detracts from you a bit because you need to to put money towards a deposit. So there's money that you, you don't have access to in the short term. And, you know, for most of our clients, their properties are, you know, making a small loss every year. They might be negatively geared, which is what that means. Um, So every year they're just, you know, putting in a couple of thousand dollars of their own money to cover the shortfalls. So Mm -hmm. the idea of doing that is, you know, eventually maybe it'll be worth it and they'll have this big lump sum at the end. But we need really strong cash flow to weather those, you know, if a tenant doesn't, if we don't get tenants for a couple of months, it can be pretty disastrous Mm -hmm. if you don't have good money coming in behind Mm -hmm. it to deal with that, right? And, And again, I would almost say that in in order for you to be comfortable to buy an investment property as part of your overall strategy, you definitely need to have some excess income, some excess fat in your cash flow yes. to cover any of those things, right? So if you are absolutely down to the wire on your budget and you cannot squeeze anything more out of it, buying an investment property might really hinder you. Yes. This is particularly relevant for people who are going through the maternity leave years. Correct. Um, We have a lot of conversations, uh, I guess, with people who are going through those maternity leave years. They're feeling a little stuck. They're not really getting ahead financially like they used to. And they think, maybe we should buy an investment property and that might help. And that's when I get a little nervous, right? Mm. Let's wait until the kids are in school. We've got a little bit of excess cash flow and then we can kind of do those things. Um, I also like to talk about Um, property is time consuming. You know, you can't just expect that uh, investment property will land, you know, land on your desk one day, you can buy it and you don't have to do anything. Largely it involves, you know, looking for the property, doing your research, um, going to open homes, going to auctions, Mm -hmm. um, dealing with, you know, uh, tenants or dealing with rent managers. Um, There's there's a lot to it, um, which can be rewarding. And for a lot of people, they love it. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. They like doing that on the weekend. Not for me, but yeah, they they love it. And and that's fine. That's no problem at all. Um, But just being really aware, it's like this will take up time. And if you don't have time, why put yourself under that stress? Mm -hmm. So just being clear on on what your goals are there. and also I like to highlight that it can be expensive in the short term. You know, when you first buy it, we're looking at paying stamp duty. We're yeah. looking at putting a deposit together. Where, Legal costs. Yeah, yeah. You know, potential repairs before you can put a tenant in it. If things are breaking, you are replacing them. Mm-hmm. Um, there can be a lot of costs here. So we just, we need to be very cautious of it. Um, that being said, let's, you know, it's not a negative thing, but we yeah. just need to understand what they are so we can work around them and, and find great solutions, right? Um, 
I have a few ideas on how you should go about investing in property. Mm-hmm. Now, everyone's got an opinion here. Um, speak to every one of your family members and they're going to give you, you know, a, a bunch of different opinions. But there's a few things that we've seen go wrong that I think you should be aware of. Yep. Um, the first is buying property based on your price. Um, mm. A lot of people, uh, they either just want to get a property or they really like the idea of having multiple investment properties. And so they go out and they buy cheaper investment properties. And that's not to say that can't be a winning strategy, um, but you really need to think about what it is you're buying and is it desirable to rent? Yes. Um, A lot of my uh, clients or people I've spoken to have bought units or things like that, that they say themselves, I would never live in that. That's in an area I don't like. Um, that's, it, you know, like too far from town or it's, um, and you know, when you're looking at your investment going, this isn't a very desirable thing to live in, yeah. probably not a good start. Yeah, you need to go that extra step. It might not be the perfect place for you, but it needs to have something that people would want so is it in you know like would a family want to live there yes is it close to schools that you know you might not have school age kids it doesn't really matter for you but like you need to think about is would someone actually want to rent this from me because the last thing you want is (laughs) three cheap units and none of them rented yeah or alternatively you're getting people who are renting it short term because their life has been disrupted so younger people that perhaps are like well i've just got to live by uni for six months like maybe that could be a good strategy. I'm not saying it's not, but just thinking about who your target, you know, having a having an investment property is a bit like having a business. Mm-hmm. Who is your target market and are they going to pay a good amount of money for what you're offering, right? Yeah. Um, where I think we've seen it go wrong for people yeah. or really wrong is when they've tried to do things which are high risk. So they've bought in mining communities, they've bought defence force housing, timeshares, new builds which are nowhere near yeah. urban centres. Yeah. Um, if someone is coming to you with a very easy way to invest, be scared. <laughs> Be, I mean, be sceptical because we, you know, obviously we would never give names or anything, but we have dealt with, with a lot of clients who have had issues in certain areas of this kind of type of investment because it's advertised as being, hey, this is perfect, you know, guaranteed this, um, we'll get it for you, no fees, all of that sort of stuff. And it's like, uh, okay, if it's too good to be true, it probably is. Good, good investments don't need to advertise themselves. <laughs> yeah, I mean, sometimes just a boring old family home in the burbs might actually be fine (laughs) (laughs) exactly exactly so just be very cautious for anything that's you know guaranteeing you income Mm. or just making it a little too easy this this process shouldn't be easy yeah (laughs) um because if it's easy it's because there's not potentially a great return to be had here or you could lose money um let's talk about buyers agents yep uh, well, we are pro-buyers agents. Yes, obviously. we've even had buyers agents on this podcast. Correct. Um, and the concept of a buyers agent is essentially that they go out and they find you a property, whether it's for personal or investment. And obviously, in this regard, we're talking about an investment purposes. Um, the idea is is that they help you to choose one that suits all of your needs and requirements. However, <laughs> there are different types of buyers agents, yep. and you know it's it's important for you to, if you're going down this route, to ask the right questions. Now, often you will pay the buyer's agent a fee and that's great, but you need to understand if the buyer's agent is receiving money from anywhere else. Yes. 
and yeah. they don't necessarily have to disclose that to you. No. So buyer's agent is a relatively new thing in Australia and because of it, there are no real rules around it, right? So anyone can pretty much go out and call themselves a buyer's agent, as I understand. Um, and so we have seen examples where people are essentially selling property or selling property that's being built, um, receiving money from builders mm-hmm. and then proceeding to sell it to you and make you feel that they're on your side, right? So Mm -hmm. if you are engaging a buyer's agent, you need to be confident that you are the only person paying that person. Yeah. So therefore they are thinking only about your needs. Yes. Um, And just how much experience they have and, and, you know, what they actually offer. Yeah. So ask the questions, but we're definitely pro using them if they're the right one. Yeah. I think that they can be very valuable, particularly um, in markets where things are really challenging, right? Yeah. Um, And there's not much stock. Yeah. Mm. I mean, you're making, you know, potentially up to a million dollars of decision here. Getting it right is really important. Um, The final thing, I guess, I wanted to touch on is tax deductions. Yeah. <laughs> um, I think a lot of people perceive that there are better tax deductions with investment properties than there are with other types of investments. Mm-hmm. It's not true. Mm-hmm. Um, essentially, if you lose money on an investment, you may get a tax deduction. That's that's what it is. It doesn't matter what type of investment you have. Um, invest- and that's essentially what negative gearing means in yeah, this regard. You're just losing money, right? Um, so don't buy for tax deductions, right? Like a lot of people... that they get excited because what they can do is depreciation. So they can say, okay, well, I'm getting a deduction every year because the asset, like the the, the oven, the, you know, whatever, the, the hot water system, all of that is depreciating. So therefore I'm getting a tax deduction, right? The downside is, is you one day have to buy a new oven or you have to buy a new hot water yes. system. That's not free money. No. <laughs> um, so, you know, Making sure we're, we're claiming tax deductions is really important and, and great, um, but we don't buy for tax deductions. We buy investments to make money. That's what we do. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. We want to reduce tax as much as possible as a general rule, but at the end of the day, if you're making money and paying more tax. Yes. We're good with it. I'd like to make money and pay tax rather than yes. lose money and <laughs> pay less tax. Same. Thank you. <laughs> um, so, yeah, that, those are a few thoughts, I guess, we have on property. Again, it, a lot of it sounds very negative, but property is an, an amazing way mm. of investing and growing wealth. Yeah. And it can be really, really beneficial to your wealth journey. You just need to go into it with really open eyes, identify what the risks are and address them. And in most circumstances, it's a long-term play. Yes. Yeah, for sure. Yep. Uh, Awesome. Okay, so let's talk about shares. And now Mm -hmm. this is a pretty broad um, category. We kind of lump everything in here. In with shares. I mean, shares usually is like the individual shares. You would put different kinds of managed funds. You'd put ETFs in there, that kind of thing. You've used a lot of language, I think, that uh, many of our listeners would just Having go, said that, <laughs> most people understand the concept of ETFs and things That's like true. that. And we've covered it in this podcast, right? But there are a lot of different things. So um, to quickly explain, and I think we've done this in the past, a share is essentially partial ownership in a company. You're buying a small part of a company, you are an owner, and therefore you receive some of the profits through dividends, potentially, if it's making profits and mm-hmm. it's distributed. And increase in value of the company. Um, personally, Cara, how many single shares do we own none no (laughs) (laughs) that's not to say you can't go out and buy single shares it's fine it's a strategy um but it comes with a lot of risk you are basically um 
buying into a one company and that the future success of that company dictates how well your investment's going to perform. Mm-hmm. So, um, yeah, it's just a risk that I don't necessarily feel particularly comfortable well, with. Well, I think we touched on this. One of the benefits of shares is that you can diversify. Mm. And if you go and put all of your money into one share, then you just haven't diversified at all, right? And yes. so we, if we're going to invest in this area, this sector, we want to make sure that we're getting that diversification benefit that you can't get from property. Yeah. And so the common way I guess you can get that diversification is you invest with an investment fund. And the way you do that is either through, say, a managed fund or an ETF, which is an exchange traded fund. Kind of the same thing, just different ways of buying into the investment fund. And what that does is it invests in many different shares across many different sectors um, and provides that level of diversification. And, you know, having the majority of your wealth in shares in low-cost diversified investment funds makes a lot of sense. Mm-hmm. It reduces a lot of that risk. You can have small amounts in individual shares if you want, but um, yeah, it's a dangerous game. Uh, <laughs> diversification. Do you want to talk about what we mean by that? Because it's not just companies, is it? No, I mean, there's diversification in that you might have several shares, but there's also different asset classes within um within each sector, right? Yep. So we might have, you know, consumer goods where we've got com- we've got shares in consumer consumer goods, Woolworths, etc. But we also have shares in motor vehicles, you know, and all yes. of that so, so all different things as well as countries. So mm-hmm. as, not just Australian shares Shares from all over the world. Yeah, the countries one is a big one. So I see a lot of people, they'll go out and they'll buy like an Australian equities. And that's pretty good. It's well diversified amongst Australia. But what about the rest of the world? Mm. What, what if over the next 10 years, Australia just performs really poorly? Your investment portfolio will perform poorly, right? So we kind of need to spread that out across different countries because different countries have different you know periods of time where they succeed. So yep. um, yeah, it's, it's, a, it's a broad topic here. Um, I talk a lot about managed funds, and I think we've done other podcasts on this, right? Um, but really, when it comes to investing in investment portfolios, my major goal that I suggest for most people is to try to automate it as much as possible. Where people go wrong with in shares or investment portfolios is when they start doing things like trying to actively trade or buy in when the market's hot and sell when, you know, like trying to to game the system and really the best way to succeed over the long term is to simply invest monthly or quarterly or whatever your consistency Mm. is, put the same amount of money in and buy into a well-diversified strategy, right? And this is why I like managed funds because they allow you usually to contribute monthly or or potentially even more Um, and you don't pay any extra extra cost every time you contribute. Whereas obviously if you buy an exchange traded fund or an ETF, you've got to pay brokerage fees and whatnot. So we just want to remove that decision making of trying to pick when we buy into shares as much as possible. Um, because a lot of studies have been done on this and notoriously people get this wrong. <laughs> um, so yeah, we want to keep it simple. Um, the other thing I like to point out about investment portfolios or shares is um, they're pretty long-term as well. Yeah, yeah. Um, you know, we we because there's somewhat of a, a kind of higher growth sort of strategy, we are looking at these kind of things for that seven plus years in terms of investment. That's yeah. not to say things can't change, but you might choose a lower risk kind of investment portfolio and there's hundreds and thousands on them in the market, right? Yep. If you need access to it in a shorter time frame. Yeah. So um, I think what do we what do we sort of say 
the investments are still going to go up and down, yep. right? And that's the thing that's really important about this is that you might see your shares go down on any given day. And if you need access to them really soon, the last thing you want is something that's got those wild fluctuations. Yeah. It- I think the the best way I sort of describe this is um, investments go in cycles. So we have periods where they go up and we have periods where they go down. And historically over time, they've consistently gone up, Mm. right? Um, But we've seen periods of three, four, five years where they go down and they stay down. And so if you put money into them um, and you say, okay, I need this in three years. And after three years, they've gone down and they're still down. In reality, you really should be rating another couple of years for him to go back up before you know take advantage of that cycle um, and so what we want to do is make sure that we're putting money into into the type of investment that suits that period of time when we need to access it mm-hmm. and then I'll set and forget you know when you um, you may have a higher growth thing because you're going okay well I've got 10 years before I need this money but as you approach that time you need to start thinking about how they're invested and whether you need to change that to suit when you want to access them um, so yeah that's a it's a bit of thought on shares. It's a deep concept. We could talk a lot about it. Well, I mean, there's some things that are automated, but there are some parts of it that are not set and forget, right? Yes. And again, when you're aligning it to your goals, which we spoke about before, there needs to be a little bit of strategy in how you go about these things. Indeed, indeed. And, and it, it exists for the investment property as well. I mean, nothing is set and forget, mm. um, but we do want to make it as easy as possible on ourselves where we're not stressing out every three months about whether we're making the right call. We want to, we want to put in place a strategy and be confident that we're executing on that strategy. Mm. Um, Awesome. All right, well, why don't we summarize and talk about which one we think is better? (laughs) I think that... Sorry, I I keep coming back to this same joke. It it doesn't exist. (laughs) Look, for most people that we work with, right, and let's just, you know, normal family, a couple of kids, both working that, you know, usually a family home. Buying an investment property and investing in shares and having a portfolio usually works both of them like for for that kind of person. Yep. But it's really important that we don't put all of it in just necessarily one, right? Okay. And the reason is, is that there's usually long-term goals that come into play and short-term goals, and it really comes down to timing. So from my perspective, both can be amazing investments but they need to work specifically for that person and there's no 100% guarantee. Does that make sense? It, that definitely makes sense. So, yeah, like let's let's talk about a, a, a client that, you know, maybe we've seen. So maybe we'll, we'll have a client, they're in their early 30s, they've got two young kids um, and they're kind of saying a couple of things. They're saying, well, yeah, we do want to pay for private high school. Um, we want to upgrade the house. Uh, we want to retire early and we want to do a bit more travel when that happens. So, you know, looking at these goals, we, we can look at it and go, okay, well, we have pretty strong cash flow during public school, primary school. Um, we can use that time to buy the investment property for the longer term strategy and we can use that time to put some money away and share for the mm-hmm. um, private high school. Like there's a couple of ways we yep. can go about this yep. um, and it really just comes down to their particular circumstance, how much money they have coming in at different mm. times um, and just making a, a strategy around that. Yeah, and then just similarly to, to throw it to something you mentioned earlier, if someone was on maternity leave mm. and there's only one income in the ho- household for a short period of time, maybe an investment property right then doesn't really work because there's not excess cash flow. Yes. But there might be enough to start the small process of investing for children's education. So sometimes it really just comes down to timing as well. Don't let the market dictate 
when you should be investing. No. Because people are talking about, oh, it's re- you know, investments are really hot in the share market or investments are really hot in property right now. Now's the time to invest. That actually probably shouldn't come into play whatsoever. It needs to suit your timing and your specific needs. Yeah, that fear of missing out can feel strong. And that's yeah. why you want to be confident that you have a strategy, you're executing on it, and it's as automated as possible mm-hmm. so that when you do get a little nervous, which you will, even with a great strategy, um, you can just simply lean back on executing your strategy and be confident that it makes sense. Yeah. Awesome. Cool. Cool. All right. Well, I, I don't really think there's much more. I mean, we could talk about this forever, but um, and I. <laughs> so, did you come up with an answer as what the best one is? <laughs> I think I fear that we've confused our listeners. You know, they've they've come into this going, "Do I buy an investment property or shares?" And all we've done is given them a bunch of extra things to think about. <laughs> That's what we do. No, you you do need to think about it for yourself. We are pro both. Yes. Um, we both we do both ourselves. Yes. Um. It is more just making sure that the parameters of that suit your specific needs. Yes. Because your next door neighbor has four investment properties doesn't mean you should. <laughs> and if you are feeling overwhelmed, if you do want someone to assist you with this, this is what we do. We are here to help. Um, we love planning out your life, planning out your strategies and helping you execute on them. So if you do find this overwhelming, please feel free to reach out and talk to us about getting financial advice. Otherwise, if you have any questions, send them through and we'll try and answer them on future podcasts. Awesome. All right. Well, thanks, guys, and we'll see you next time. See you later. Bye.